Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Ordinary People and Extraordinary Lives. My name is Lance Bain. Good to have you with me again on another episode of our podcast that we put together each week designed to help us experience the grace of God while living, leading, and overcoming life's everyday challenges, leadership challenges. And I'm talking to those of you that lead. And if you have any kind of influence, then you are a leader, whether that's in your family dynamics, among your friendships, or your professional career. Maybe it's in places where you volunteer. And so we're here to help you be an effective and hopeful and healthy leader. If you want to know more about me, check out LanceBain.com, L-A-N-C-E-B-A-N-E.com. There are many available resources there. I would love to hear from you. And as always, it's a great privilege if you would leave a review wherever you may be listening and share this through your multiple platforms and by old school sharing, word of mouth uh, <laughs> with your friends. We would really, really appreciate it. We're just here to help and add value. Hey, today I want to talk about communication. One of my favorite subjects in the title of our podcast, episode 201, is Speaking Hope, the Power of Hopeful Communication. I love communication. I love public speaking for the most part. 99% of the time, I love it. It's something I've been doing for over 30 years at some form or another of public communication. And so I feel like I've learned some things over the years that might be helpful for us as we also communicate. And it's not just verbal communication. It's also written communication, multiple platforms through the Internet, social media, text messaging, emails, also verbal communication. And I believe this is important because everyone communicates, but not everyone connects. As John Maxwell says, you as a leader ultimately want to add value and we want to be intentional in a hurried world and we want to be a trusted voice. So These are a few reasons why I believe speaking hope and the power of hopeful communication is important. And today that's the subject of our podcast. I've done a podcast on this subject before, but I realized that in the nature of doing almost a weekly podcast, they have a tendency to get buried deep into the thread and the library of podcasts. And so I want to sort of pull up an old outline, if you will, and talk about Speaking Hope, the power of hopeful communication. And what I'm going to share with you today is something that I use at least almost every form of public communication, verbal public communication. In case you're new to the podcast and you're not aware, I, my leadership context is not just my family, which is my primary place of leadership and influence and adding value, but I also work in the not-for-profit industry, in the religious not-for-profit industry. I pastor a church, and so I would say 35 to 45 times a year, I'm giving a weekly uh, verbal presentation, a message, or a sermon, if you will. And so many times I'm working this outline week in, week out, week in, week out, and I want to share this outline with you today because I think it will help you. I believe it will help you, not just think. I believe that it will help you. Now, it's taken me probably a decade or two to put together this very simple outline. But this outline offers you the opportunity, friends, to explore emotions and stories, explore truths and vocabulary and glossary, to pull from the library of your own history, and to pull from the library of those that you are reading and listening to, and to pull from the library of those who have gone before us and craft a text, a tweet, an Instagram post, a TikTok reel, 
a video or a verbal communication, an email, something that can help other people. And so that's the purpose today is to help you speak hope and to experience the power of hopeful communication. So what is this outline that I'm speaking of? I'm going to give you the outline, very simple, and then I want to share with you four or five results that I believe you can expect as a result of utilizing this outline as a way of helping you put together powerful and hopeful communication. Point number one of the outline is to establish common ground. I write this out. I have a scratch piece of paper, a notepad that I love actually in the way it's formatted. And I'll usually will pull out that notepad and a pen or a pencil. And I write a column and I call it my ECG, my established common ground. And I sit and I think, and I ask myself, what do I have in common with the audience that I will be speaking with? More specifically, if I have a general theme that I know I'm going to be talking about, in the context of that theme, what do I have in common with the audience? What does the audience have in common with each other? And taking some time to think through that and then in a creative way, communicating that in the early part of your message is essential. What it does is it relies and sends the message that you are reliable and relatable, that you understand what we all have in common. And so it's you begin to dissolve the us versus them barrier, the us versus them idea that can often show up in these spaces. After you wrestle with the established common ground question and you believe you've come up with a helpful and sufficient and genuine answer, the next point of the outline, point number two is, what do they know to be true? I not only want to establish common ground, I want to tell them what they know to be true. This, again, speaks to the idea of being relevant. What are they experiencing? Not just what do we have in common, but what are we experiencing? For example, this just yesterday, I gave a message at my church about loving one another, the heart of true Christian community. And in that message, I said, well, you know, what all of us have in common is that we want to be loved. Every one of us have that in common. Science tells us, psychology tells us that every person on the planet wants to be seen, wants to be soothed, wants to be safe, wants to be secure. That's establishing common ground. Everyone can sort of say, yes, that's true. I believe that. But then when I move into what they know to be true, I might say something like, and what we know to be true is that when we live a life absent of love, that's painful. But when we live a life that is filled with love, it is joyful, it is flourishing, it is fulfilling. We all know that to be true. And people can sit back and say, yes, that is true. Now, in the first four, five, six minutes of the message, I've established connection with the audience. The third point of the outline is to point to the truth. I've told them what they know to be true, but the point of the message is that I believe I'm holding a key, an answer, a solution, a thought, some data, some information that points to a greater truth or helps them know how to apply and live out the truth they have. So I want to begin to point them to the truth. This particular point, point number three, is point to the truth, is the bulk of the message. It is the bulk of the email. It is the bulk of whatever form of communication you're giving. And there are three subsets to pointing to the truth. So let me just rehearse what I've said in the last few minutes. When you're thinking about writing an email, communicating verbally, you want to establish common ground. You want to tell them what they know to be true, but then you want to point them to the truth. 
You want to point them to a greater reality that inspires, that challenges, that informs, and that uplifts. So let me highlight for you three sub points under the point to truth, because this is the bulk of what we will communicate. And I ask myself three questions. I got these from John Maxwell and his communication. And they're, they're again, they're simple questions, but these questions are simple, but they're, they're like doorways that open you to a world of opportunity, to a world of communicating something that will be hopeful, that will be powerful, that will be meaningful, that will be useful. And here are the three questions. First of all, what do I want my audience to know? What do I want them to know? And so this begins to be where I gather a lot of research, a lot of study, a lot of development. I'm pulling upon history. I'm pulling upon science, upon information, upon whatever reason, whatever data, whatever sources of information you're needing to gather facts. You want to tell people, what do I want them to know? And this is what you're wanting to inform them. But to avoid the idea of just a boring uh, university lecture, it's not just enough to answer the question, what do I want them to know? Or in my case, as a minister, I'm really asking, God, what do you want them to know? And so if you're communicating for a team or an organization, maybe it's not enough for you just to sit in, in solitude and say, what do I want them to know? But asking your teammates, asking your overseers, what do we want them to know? I may be the voice, but it's our message. And so this is a great question. What do we, what do I want them to know? And that begins to create the bulk of your message. Next, I ask, what do I want them to feel? Because people mostly remember how you made them feel, not what you said. And so while we do some thoughtful and intentional work around establishing common ground, telling them what they know to be true, and pointing to the truth by answering the question, what do I want them to know, doing all of that work, people will generally remember how you made them feel. And so I'm, I'm intentional about that. When do I want my audience to feel challenged? When do I want my audience to feel inspired? When do I want my audience to feel seen or comforted? When do I want my audience to feel stimulated and intellectually challenged? When do I want them to feel curious? And so you can work through what it is you want your audience to feel. And what you do in this place is you begin to think about stories, video quotes, memes, videos, illustrations, the different kind of things that solicit emotion. For example, yesterday when I was talking about love, and everybody wants to be loved. I shared this simple little story of a six-year-old girl and the story that she shared about the power of feeling loved and everyone related to it and it got a great laugh. And simply what it says is, Emma, a six-year-old, says, love is when you're missing some of your teeth, but you're not afraid to smile because you know your friends will still love you even though some of you is missing. And so that was an early part of my message, and it got a great laugh, and it immediately created some connection, and it served as a parable to say, we may not be missing teeth, but we're missing generosity, or we're missing kindness, or we're missing justice, and we can't let what we're missing keep us from smiling and keep us from showing up in the world. This is a wonderful story that created emotions and created feelings and created thoughts and caused people to even think through their own memories. This is the power of answering the question, what do we want them to feel? And then we ask this question, what do we want them to do? Not just what do I want them to know, 
And not just what do I want them to feel, but what do I want them to do? Application should always lead to multiplication. You want to provide for your audience maybe one, two, or three simple steps at which you are offering ways that they can apply what you have said. Dr. A.R. Bernard, a spiritual leader and really a city leader in the New York, uh, New York City metro area, says that real learning happens at the place of application. Learning doesn't happen only in the acquisition of knowledge. Learning happens at the place of application. So how are you going to apply what you're learning? How are you going to apply what you're hearing? How are you going to leverage the emotions, not in a manipulative way, but through inspiration, through challenge, using stories as parables to call us to a higher way of being, to a higher way of living? And we want to call people and point them to a place of application. Application should lead to multiplication. And so we're going to establish common ground. Think about that. We're going to tell them what they know to be true. And we're going to point to the truth by answering the question, what do we want them to know? What do we want them to feel? And what do we want them to do? And I just want you to remember, Friends, that when you use personal stories, personal anecdotes, you have to be careful about your level of vulnerability. Think about the age of your audience, the maturity of your audience, the setting of your audience, the purpose of why you are together. You want to use inspirational quotes. And incorporating these personal anecdotes showcases how hope has played a role in your own life. It showcases how the content of what you are talking about plays a role in your own life or in the lives of other people. And sharing these anecdotes and quotes from respected individuals, historical individuals, or like in my case, Emma, the six-year-old. It, it offers people an embodiment, a, a personification of what you're talking about. It offers people a picture of hope and optimism and positivity and joy. And these stories and quotes can reinforce your hopeful message, and it resonates. It can, it can create a deep resonance, a deep connection with your audience, with the community to which you're speaking. Now, let me share with you uh, a few results that when you practice this outline on a regular basis, I I can almost guarantee you that you're going to experience these results in some way or another. Result number one is a genuine and authentic message. You're going to experience a genuine and authentic message. The audience is going to experience a genuine and authentic message. The reader of your email is going to experience a genuine and authentic message. You may be asking yourself, why is that important? Well, because we're living in a society where it's difficult to know who to trust. It's difficult to trust the media. It's difficult to trust all of these voices through Facebook and TikTok and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and, and news sources and the internet and websites and podcasts. It is, there are a million voices out there that are clamoring for your attention. And they're clamoring for the attention of the audience that you are speaking to. And you've been invited and you've been put into a place where you have the power for a moment to offer influence to another person, to offer a piece of your heart that inspires and challenges and connects and uplifts and loves and casts vision for a more preferred and hopeful future. And what that audience deserves, whether they are reading your message, watching your message, listening to your message, they deserve a genuine an authentic message. Because authenticity is the key to delivering a hopeful message. 
You want to speak from the heart and you want to let your genuine emotions shine through. Let tears be evidence about the way in which you feel the message. Let laughter and passion and energy and body language and tone speak to the genuineness and authenticity of your message. And when your audience senses your sincerity, they will more likely connect with your message and they will feel inspired, not just by your message, but by the messenger, by you. Result number two is a focus on solutions and possibilities. (laughs) When you Tell them what you want them to know and what you want them to feel and what you want them to do. You begin to bring into focus solutions and possibilities. You frame your message around these solutions and possibilities rather than just only dwelling on the challenges and obstacles. Who wants to sit and listen to a 10-minute, 15, 30-minute lecture on just challenges and possibilities? The audience will have this energy to say, tell us what to do. How do we overcome? How do we break through? How do we find flourishing and success? How do we find justice and hope and life? Offer. Concrete examples of action steps that can lead to the kind of change that you hope for. And by focusing on solutions and possibilities, you encourage your audience, whatever it may be, one person or many people, to see the potential for a brighter future. You can rally the troops to a great cause. Speaking hope, the power of hopeful communication. Result number three, you give them a a use of hopeful language and imagery. When you choose this kind of outline, establishing common ground, telling them what they know to be true, pointing them to truth by answering, what do I want them to know? What do I want them to feel? What do I want them to do? And using stories and anecdotes and quotes and data and science, an application that leads to multiplication, you begin to evoke hope and courage and optimism. You paint a vivid picture and imagery through your words Your metaphors and your similes help create this visual picture of this hopeful message that you are conveying. You begin to recognize that your audience will take on hell with a water pistol because language matters and language should inspire and energize and challenge your audience to rise higher. You're not ignoring where they are, but you're saying we are free to be here. But if we want to change the world, we are not free to stay here. Use hopeful language and imagery. And last result is you will give an empowering and encouraging message. You will empower your audience by emphasizing their ability to create a positive change. And you will encourage them to take action and to play an active role in shaping the future of their family, the future of their company, the future of their neighborhood, their own future, the future of their ministry, the future of other people's lives. Remind them of the strengths and resilience that you see so evident because your message should leave them feeling empowered to overcome challenges and embrace hope as a guiding light in their lives. Speaking hope, the power of hopeful communication. Friends, you can do it. You can do it. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening again. I hope you have a wonderful week. Stay healthy and stay hopeful. And I'll talk to you again soon.